Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you gotten Rommel yet? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, kegs and eggs, football time. Is anyone on the Bayou awake at 11 a.m. local time? I guess we're about to find out time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from right now from Fort Rucker Studio as this is released I will hopefully uh, be in Baton Rouge, the Red Stick, 8th-ranked Tennessee, playing at 25th-ranked LSU, noon Eastern, 11 Central, right there in Death Valley, which is uh, maybe historically, or, or at least the reputation of it, is not quite as, as dangerous or damning uh, during the day as it is at night. Um, but LSU's record actually is pretty decent there uh even though i've been to night games and and early games there and the night games are definitely a different vibe down there but uh this will be a big game we'll see if they are up down there for this one and uh, i say down there as again as you're listening to this i'm actually down there so down here future west I'll be down here in the same city with the man I'm about to talk to right now. We're going to go down to Baton Rouge, get to uh, Glenn West, covers LSU for Go 24-7. Those guys do an awesome job covering all things LSU. Glenn, my man, what's going on? Hey, Wes, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. How are you? Doing all right. Doing all right. As I'm recording this, I still have, uh, let's see here, i gotta got to record this podcast and then edit it, get it ready and then write a couple more stories, one of which is a, one of those long-form article thingies, and then yeah. pack uh, a bag, hoping that uh, I don't wake up the baby while I'm doing that or the corgi, and then hopefully get all that done and then matriculate my way down to, to Baton Rouge. But uh, So long story short, dealing with a lot, but uh, but uh, this is uh, this is good. This is why we do this. This is love this job, love games like this, and this is this is a fun week, man. Yeah, I have a lot of the work problems that you do. I can't say that I have a lot of the familial issues that you have to kind of juggle with here, but uh, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun. I joined the 24-7 crew back in May, and it's been really great getting to meet guys like you and uh, people really around the entire SEC side of the 24-7 family, so it's been a lot of fun for me. Yeah, it's been. It, it, there are a lot of us, right? There are a hell of a lot of yeah, us. We are pretty absolutely. much we are pretty much everywhere, and uh, <laughs> it, it, it's been good because, um, y- you know, there's – Tennessee and LSU because there's what like 119 teams in the SEC now so you don't get some of these games as often as a lot of us would like because I remember back when I was uh in college you know which was my god what almost 20 years ago now my god I'm 40 years old now but it it, it was you know this there were a lot of students who were at Tennessee who were from New Orleans and from the Baton Rouge area and vice versa. I don't know if it's because sometimes people just want to go away for school. So uh, if you live down uh, in, in the, the wetlands, you want to go up to the mountains. If you're in the mountains, you want to go down to Louisiana and do something different. There just seemed to be a lot of connections. I don't know if it was Peyton Manning going to Tennessee that was part of that or, or what it was, but there was, there's always been kind of a, an interesting, you know, I don't want to say kinship between the, the, these two programs and fan bases, but 
you know, if you go into Tiger Stadium or if you go into Neyland Stadium, you're going to smell the, the, the bourbon or the sour mash no matter what. And th- that smell just reminds me of walking into both stadiums because it's so, it's so there. And uh, yeah. I just get excited for this because this is not a trip uh, that, that you get to see a lot in this league these days. Yeah, it's a fun one. And, and look, I'm kind of vice versa the same way. I think Tennessee's definitely on my bucket list of stadiums to get out to and uh, certainly try some of the, the barbecue that you guys have out there. That's something that I'm really interested in. I'm a big eater. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's it's a really it's been a really cool experience for me getting to you know cover LSU for the last five or six years, first as a student, then as a full-time reporter. It's just been a – it's one of those venues that really – it's just – it's very unique, and it's a lot of fun to cover, and this has been a matchup that I've really been looking forward to. It seems like I'm writing a lot about the uh, – 2010 experience because that felt like the last time LSU really uh, had a had a good grasp of, of Tennessee and a really exciting matchup. That was really the last time these two really uh, had an exciting game. So if we get something like that, if we get some craziness of 13 men on the field or a snap over the head in the last five seconds of the game, I mean, I'm all for that. I don't know about you though. Oh yeah, I was there <laughs> that day covering that game, and that was yeah. uh, and, and that was. I know Tennessee fans are like, "Oh, we're already talking about this. Come on." <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was honestly, and, and I, I, I don't normally like discussing things like this, but just for a frame of reference on how crazy that game was, every year they do like those uh, APSC awards for like, you know, the, 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 the game stories of the year, or whatever, the future stories of the year. And my right. game story from that one won that award that year, and I didn't enter. Oh, wow. it. I didn't enter it in there. I someone else oh. did. I did not, and I got it. And wow. they were like, "Congratulations!" I was like, "Cool for what? What? What did I do? I didn't send anything in. I know my unorganized ass never sent anything in." And they were like, "No, it was from that game story because I wrote about what all the Tennessee players did for like the two minutes where they thought they had won the game." You know, you had like yeah. Nick Ravez who was actually crying tears of joy onto the football. You had Jansen Jackson running 120 yards all the way across uh, the field to jump into the stands to, to to hang out with his his mom who had never gotten to see him play a college football game before. But since it was down in Louisiana, she got to watch that one. And just all of these, you know, the guys who went to pick up, I think it was LaMarcus Thompson, the linebacker, picked up the flag and was like waving the Tennessee flag all the way around the stadium. And they were like, <laughs> hey, uh, by the way, uh, you had uh, like 19 guys on the field there. So so we've never really done this before, but technically we're going to bring you back in from the locker room and you're going to have to do this again. And it kind of felt like a fait accompli at that point because they had given – everything they had just to make that a game. Uh, And then because they had some physical mismatches in that game they had to deal with. And then it was like, you knew it was going to happen. You knew it was going to happen. And and it was just kind of a reverse of, um, you know, the the hurricane game a few years before where on the last play, Gerald Riggs is kind of tackled on the goal line, but he kind of runs through it and kind of powers his way in and scores. Tennessee and LSU have played some absolutely insane games over the years. And and put me down for another one here. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think I was in ninth or tenth grade when that happened. So I was definitely a, a giddy little New Orleans kid yeah. uh, cheering on for that one. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm super excited just because I think this is a a game where I think it could be a pretty offensive heavy game. I mean, just from everything that I've read uh, about Tennessee and the start that they've had this year, it sounds like this is going to be a game where LSU, which has had a lot of problems on its uh, with its passing game in the last week or so. Uh, but it sounds like this is a game where LSU is going to have to really air it out and take some aggressive chances, and that certainly leads you know, you know to some some big explosive plays happening one way or the other. So I think we're in for a pretty entertaining game. And, and what's interesting to me is I, I think the the buildup for this game probably feel and, and just the energy around the LSU program probably feels significantly different from the way it did, let's say, four weeks ago. When, uh-huh. you know, you get the first game against Florida State and then it goes the way that it goes. Wild game could have gone either way. Florida State makes the final play and, and pulls off the upset down there. Uh, I think that was in New Orleans, what, right? It was, it was in New Orleans, it yeah. It was in yeah. New Orleans, yeah. And, and I wanted to make sure I had that right. And, and so, mm-hmm. but backing up, before I ask about that, backing up, how weird is it to type and say the sentence, LSU football coach Brian Kelly? I still am just baffled by all of that 
Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it's getting easier by the week. Uh, I should say, I mean, we've had an entire off season to really kind of grasp our minds around it here in Baton Rouge. And, uh, you know, you've certainly, I'm, I'm, I'm sure everybody has seen the, the, you know, viral videos, the viral comments. And, uh, you know, even just recently we had a, a media member heckling coach Kelly, just really playfully and uh, getting taken to the 10th degree in terms of just, uh, uh, coverage, but, uh, it's, it's been a really, fun experience because it's really uh he was he's nothing like i expected him to be i mean you know i watched him at notre dame just like i'm sure many others did and like i'm sure everybody else did and he came across as very stern very uh you know kind of wanted to be the guy at the party that's not exactly the you know inside man at the party but is trying to be the inside man of the party um and and he uh, he's come here and he's been really, I think he's really adopted that Southern hospitality kind of angle. And I think he's really done a nice job of ingratiating himself with the local media here. Look, it's year one. You and I were talking about this off, off the air, but like, you know, he's, he's building his good reps right now. I think just with everybody in town and I think everybody understands his first year is going to be a little bit of an up and down, you know, railroad for LSU. And so, um, an opportunity like this to play a top 10 team is a, a really great chance to, to kind of show uh, how far they've come in a very short time. Yeah, if, if, you, if you don't mind, could, could you paint the picture of what situation Kelly stepped into? Because if anyone knows about coaching transitions, it's people around Tennessee. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's – I don't know that I've ever seen a two-year run quite like – that LSU team, which was one of the best college football teams I think I'll ever see in my lifetime, and just uh, just pouring it on offensively, really good defensively, stud after stud after stud. And then the year after that, you knew it was going to be a transition, but I think there's this sort of thought that LSU just always brings all these kids out of the swamps and they're really good. Like They're always going to have dudes. They always have dudes. But things changed in the year after that, and obviously there was a lot of controversy. You know, Ogre started living up to the Ogre reputation again, and and all of a sudden, you know, they had to part ways, which is shocking for so short, so soon after a national title. But what kind of situation did Kelly walk into in terms of roster talent, the vibes yeah. around the program? What was it like when he got there? So he had to really build this thing from scratch. I mean, when Coach O left. They had 39 players on scholarship for the uh, the game that they played uh, against Kansas State, their bowl game. Um, they were just hemorrhaging dudes left and right. I mean, everybody was pretty much jumping ship. Um, they they had the previous staff coaching the, the players that weren't going to be a part of the new staff. It was one of those really bizarre kind of transitions where – you know, Kelly was up in the the suite area and, and all the coaches from the previous regime were down there coaching. And uh, it was just a really weird thing. And so he had to build this thing from scratch. He started by building a, a staff together with Matt House, their defensive coordinator, uh, Mike Denbrock, who he brought from Cincinnati. Uh, those two had a previous relationship as as as, co- as coaches you know, together. They'd worked together in the past. So um, you know, they kind of built that foundation there. Uh, did a really nice job of filling out the support staff, I think, for the next several weeks. And then it was really building a roster because, I mean, it was it was not very deep at any really one spot. So uh, they brought in 30 new players. They brought in 15 freshmen, 15 transfers from the transfer portal. Um, and, and really a lot of those guys, particularly the transfers, are being relied on to have heavy roles with this roster. Uh, you talk about a guy like Jark Bernard Converse from Oklahoma State, yeah. their cornerback. Uh, they brought in Miles Frazier, an offensive lineman from FIU. Uh, I mean, you can just go down the line. And then they're also getting so much help from these true freshmen that I think are really blossoming at the right time. Uh, they got two true freshmen starting at left and right tackle uh, in Will Campbell and Emory Jones. They got a true freshman mason taylor who's the son of jason taylor the the uh, hall of fame defensive end from uh, miami um they just have so many guys that they're having to rely on that were not a part of this program last year um and i think it helps when you you know have a new coaching staff that you know new the new the new there's a lot of new players around too to kind of build in the that what you want to build as a as, a, as part of your, your culture here in year one so i think it's been a really fun experiment so far for lsu and in terms of the the roller coaster you know you talk about the the first year and 
all that turnover and and just a it's almost like with Kelly it almost felt like kind of dropping an alien from outer space into into Baton Rouge and and then you you get through all that sort of transition period or and then you put a roster together you go out there walk us through sort of that what the past four or five weeks have been like because you know FSU has also kind of been a program that much like Tennessee has not really been what it should be for for a little bit and um, so that, you know, that was a really interesting, fascinating game going into the season. And it, it looked like LSU was going to be all right. Then it didn't go the way that <laughs> they thought it would at the end, a wacky game. And so at yeah. that point, people are thinking, oh my God, how bad is this thing going to get when SEC play starts? But in fairness, I remember talking to somebody else, uh, one of the, uh, a buddy in the national media and he and I, cause I was at a uh, my cousin's wedding that, that, that time, cause Tennessee played on Thursday I remember driving back, and I was just talking to some people, and we were talking about that game. And he was like, "Listen, man, you you don't, you still don't want to play LSU by the end of the year." He said, "I promise you, people are not going to want to play LSU by the end of the year." He said, "I know you didn't see that game, so you're just having to kind of catch it from a wedding, but like I'm telling you, it looks bad now. It's going to be better by the end of the year." What was the vibe in and around that area down there, though? Because there's so much sure. pride there, so many expectations. Not a lot of people like the the gut check of kind of going through a rebuilding process. And then a couple of things have gotten a little better. What's it kind of been like the past month or so? Yeah, so I mean, you go back to that Florida State game. It was just a, a really bizarre game. I mean, LSU had so many opportunities where they won and lost that game. Um, but I think the big surprising thing that came out of that game was just how undisciplined everything looked for LSU. I mean, we came in thinking, you know, if there's going to be one thing about a Brian Kelly coach team, these guys are going to play the right way. They're going to be disciplined. We heard all offseason about accountability. That was the big word thrown around all summer and spring. Uh, and they came out and they just they were very, very, very careless with in all regards of the game. I mean, offense, defense, they were giving up big third down chunks on defense. They were uh, giving up huge sacks on, on on first and second down and getting behind the sticks on offense. It was just a really clunky game overall. And so I, you know, I think there was a lot of kind of echoed sentiments like after that game that, man, this is going to be some rough riding. This is going to be a really rough season. But to LSU's credit, they they started making the changes, uh, the big changes that they've made with the offensive line, with their two freshman tackles who who started uh, in every single game since then as a one-two punch. That's really worked out well for them. Um, you know, their offense, their running back game is getting a little bit more and more comfortable by the day. Uh, John Emery is now back with the program. He's a former five-star guy who uh, really had to miss the last two years of football because of academic reasons. And so, uh, you know, they're 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 slowly but surely building this thing back up. I think defensively they found a lot of answers. Their secondary has been very consistent this year. They didn't show it against Auburn last weekend, but uh, you know there there were some communication errors there. But they've been very consistent throughout most of the year, and it's allowed them to be very physical with their. Uh, with their blitzes and, and very aggressive up front in their front seven. They've done a really nice job with that. Um, and so they've really just kind of righted the ship. And I think there's still going to be some growing pains with this team this year. I do not expect them to win this game this weekend, but um, you know, we'll, we'll see, because the you know, one thing LSU never lacks is talent. It's just about getting the, the talent on page. And I think that's been what they've really focused on this month. Yeah, and something that I always think about with the LSU program too is is swagger, and, and there have been, you know, there there's just a, a way in that program. There's there's a swagger the the the, the way those tech guys usually look in their uniforms, the noise from the band, you see the size and the physicality of the dudes, the length all over the place in, in the field, and the, the way they carry themselves. Like, hey, you might get a penalty here or there, but by the end of sixty minutes, we're we're gonna we're gonna hit you, and you're you're gonna be hurting, and and I wonder. If that is sort of slowly creeping its way back into things, because that's normally a thing when you talk about so much turnover, you're never really sure. But especially bouncing back from that first game, are things kind of starting to both with the the team and the fan base itself a little bit of, hey, like we're not too hot on our own supply here, but we're feeling good. I think absolutely, and I think a great example of that came actually last week in the second half when uh, LSU safety Greg Brooks, who's an Arkansas transfer, another guy who's yeah. playing a huge role with this team, uh, he he jumped the pass at the very end of Robbie Ashford there and pretty much just stole the ball away uh, from Coy Moore, who was a former LSU receiver, by the way, and he took a lot of heat for that last game. Uh 
but he pretty much just took it away uh, from Coy Moore to really seal the game for LSU. And we actually found out after the game that defensive coordinator Matt House, right before that play, looked over at Brian Kelly and said, watch out, Greg Brooks is about to take this ball away from whoever they're throwing to because they had seen the look so many times in the game. They'd seen that play run so many times, and it turned out to be the truth. I mean, they 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 are certainly starting to find something, I think, with their – uh, you know, with their confidence on defense, but it's still a growing process on offense. I mean, if you watched any of that game last week against Auburn, this yeah. does not look like a passing offense that is confident right now, and they've certainly spent all all week working on that. He actually did get to see a little bit of that game. It was Tennessee's open date, so my wife did the whole, like, we're going to a pumpkin patch because you're also a father and you have to act like yeah. one sometimes. And and so, you know, we, we went out there and did some of the, the fall-type take-all-the-picture stuff during the day. And uh, but I got to watch some of the games later in the day, and so I got to see that one, and 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 I was sort of not really taken aback because I, Auburn at night, there's two stadiums in this league more so than any of the others that I think the difference is so pronounced between a big game at night and then just a game during the day. And that's LSU, and the other one's Auburn in terms of just yeah. the vibe, the atmosphere, and that's a wacky rivalry too between those two where weird yeah. things happen sometimes. But so I, I wasn't shocked that it was. A close game, but but the LSU's offense did did surprise me in in that game, and and I'll, I'll ask that a little bit about that in the second segment because I think there's there's mm-hmm. more of a matchup question there. But in terms of just what happened with the passing game last week, I mean, you win the game, which is what you want to do at the end of the day. So you either win or you lose. You could throw for 500 yards and lose, and it it's not as good as throwing for 85 and winning. But right. they threw for 85 yards. How did that happen? Yeah, I mean, I, I think part of it has to do with uh, the quarterback, Jaden Daniels. Um, we saw him make some really nice strides for a couple weeks there, uh, and he was too conservative last weekend. You know, he was looking to the checkdowns a little bit too often. Um, you know, they have so many playmakers on this offense. I mean, Kayshawn Booty, Malik Neighbors, Jack Besh, Brian Thomas, these are guys that um, all need the ball and all need to have some kind of role in this offense. And they have been very inconsistent in getting those guys involved on a week to week basis. And it really came back to bite them last weekend. I mean, Jaden was missing throws. Uh, you know, Malik, you could tell the body language was not great by the LSU receivers last weekend because you could tell they were getting some frustration there because they were winning some of their one on one matchups and they just weren't being seen. Um, but some of that has to do with the, the way they're game planning as well. There was one play in particular that I recall where they set up a screen for Kayshawn on one side, and instead Jaden Daniels looks the opposite way for a running back running out of the backfield, and he gets dropped for a four-yard loss. And on the other side, they had a wide-open Butte with you know three or four different blockers on that side too. I mean, it was just a, a really big misread there. And so they've had to work with Jaden on some of that stuff. It's 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 an issue that Coach Kelly called this week an all-encompassing issue. They got to get everybody on the right page. They had a players-only meeting on Monday between the quarterbacks and the receivers. Uh, they're hoping that some of those kind of issues and those frustrations were put to bed uh, earlier this week. And now it's just about playing football and getting these guys back on the right track. Well, I'll tell you, if they want to be inspired, they might just want to flip on a few minutes of that Florida-Tennessee tape because if these receivers can catch a football when no one's within 10 yards or so of them, then they're going to be all right in this yep. game, I think. Tennessee, it's a pretty good football team, but that, uh, that there's there's some issues in that secondary. We're going to talk about that more here in just a second, but we are slightly overdue for a break, so we're going to step away for just a second, pay some bills, uh, listen to some products, services, in-house ads, etc., and then we'll be right back here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast with our, our friend Glenn West, our new friend Glenn West yes. from Go 24-7. <laughs> back in just a second, guys. Hashtag ad. Money! eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. 
Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio, but... I should, knock on wood, hopefully be in Baton Rouge by the time this thing is published. We will see. Never know these days. Uh, it could take a, with the way things are going, you just never know. But hopefully be down in Baton Rouge with, right now, our good friend Glenn West from Go 24-7 talking about Tennessee's game Saturday at LSU, the 8th-ranked Vols against the 25th-ranked Tigers down there in Death Valley, uh, noon Eastern, uh, 11 a.m. Central there on ESPN. we got a lot more to talk about that. But just before we do that, guys, just a quick request from our end right now. If you could take about a minute out of your day right now and go on and subscribe to this podcast and rate and review this podcast, we would greatly appreciate that. Listen, if you're uh, if you're just listening on the website, that's okay. We love you. Like Ron Swanson with alcohol, there's no wrong way to consume the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. But what really helps us out the most, if you go on there on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google, anywhere in the world – you can cast the fine pod. You can find this Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free. We're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. Very few complaints from our end. I don't want to say no complaints because you know, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna probably going to complain a little bit. But very few complaints. But what really helps us out is if you go in there, rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends, right? You got people you play golf with, people you see at church, uh, people that you, you see right there uh, walking your dog at the dog park, wherever you are. And if, if you don't have any friends and you just see someone wearing a Tennessee shirt, just go up to them and be like, hey, I wish you were my friend because I don't have any friends, but uh, will you be my friend and uh, will you listen to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast? So if you're already doing all those things, thank you. We love you. If not... I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. Glenn, back to business. We were talking at the end of the first segment about Tennessee's or really LSU's passing game and and things that, that were not going so well against Auburn. However, if you are, are an LSU fan and you are uh, or an LSU player, LSU coach, and you're wanting to be excited, you might just want to watch a few minutes of that Tennessee-Florida game. I think this is Anthony Richardson probably could not throw a football off the broad side of a barn to open the season. Uh, goes up there against Tennessee and throws for about, I don't know, three or four kilometers worth of, of yards against Tennessee that day. It was a lot. It was a lot. If Hennon Hooker hadn't been the player of the week, by God, Anthony Richardson was going to be. It was that kind of a game. So Jaden Daniels in LSU, all those weapons on offense, all that frustration from 85 passing yards last week, players only meeting this week, a more advantageous matchup this week. Glenn, even if you're not think, even if you're thinking Tennessee might win this game, it really does seem like things are aligning for LSU's passing game to to put a pretty big dent in Tennessee in this game. Yeah, I think you're going to see a very aggressive offense and a very aggressive passing offense. I mean, that has been the main takeaway from me and for really a lot of the media this week here in Baton Rouge. Uh, from everything we've heard from Coach Kelly, we got a chance to talk with Jaden Daniels earlier this week. We talked with Malik Neighbors, one of their stud receivers earlier this week, and they uh, all preached to us that they uh, feel really excited about this game plan that they put together for Tennessee. I think you're going to see a lot of shots downfield. They're going to take their chances. Um, when we talked with Jaden earlier this week, one of the big things for him was saying, I can't be afraid to throw the ball deep if you know with the risk of a turnover. Turnovers happen. It's part of the game. Um, and you know, I, I really just need to air this thing out and give our ball, our players the ball in space and let them go make the plays because LSU has plenty of those guys that can go out there and make plays. We touched on it a little bit, but I mean, at this time a year ago, Kayshawn Booty had 30 catches for over 600 yards and nine touchdowns through five games. This year he has 11 catches for 97 yards uh, total in five games. I mean, that's just uh, not the production you were expecting from your first round pick all American type receiver. And I think he's going to come out there with a little bit, 
uh, of a chip on his shoulder, and he's going to try to make this uh, a personal matchup with him in the uh, Tennessee secondary, which I, I don't have to tell you guys, but, but just looking at the stats was 128 out of 131 FBS teams uh, in passing yard, and passing defense heading into this week. So that's going to be a huge focus for LSU for sure. Yeah, and I wouldn't want to see the three lower than than that. That would be I would not. That would be a tough watch on film. Uh, that, yeah. that, that would that would be something. And, and if LSU's smart enough. The one thing Tennessee can do defensively, actually, they have a couple of really good pass rushers. They they put a lot of pressure mm-hmm. on the quarterback, uh, but what they do the best is stop the run right at them. And I know yeah. a lot of coaches are really intent on establishing the run. It's who we are, yada yada yada. I think Brian Kelly's probably smart enough to know that's not what you do in this game. What you do is you spread the field as far apart as you can. You get the ball quickly out of the, out of his hand to pl- Daniel's hand to players in space. Let them go make plays because there are plays to be made against this defense. As long as you're you know blocking Byron Young and Tyler Barron and, and Joshua Josephs and those guys off the edge, probably going to have some some. And if Daniels can wiggle his way out of the pocket a little bit, uh, he can he can out athlete some of the guys on the back end of this defense in space. So that will be interesting to me to see that because I I just I I hope. If you're an LSU, if I'm putting myself in the mind of an LSU fan right now, I'm just thinking, if I've watched Tennessee play, please don't run the ball right at him. Please don't run the ball right at him because it just yeah. seems like the, the perimeter is the way to go. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the fact that you have a mobile quarterback like Jaden Daniels allows you to have some more balance there because when plays break down from a passing perspective, he's shown the ability. That's been the one thing he's been very consistent at. He's shown the ability to break free and get into open field and extend drives with his legs. And so, um, you know, I think the fact that you have a mobile quarterback like Daniels, like Hendon Hooker, who can do the same thing, um, I think allows LSU to be very uh, aggressive with their offense this this weekend. Uh, I would expect them to be very aggressive in the passing game. Uh, I would you know expect them to use their running backs in the passing game as well. You know, John Emery's coming off a game where he just caught a forty yard pass and, and really put them in some really good field position uh, for one of those drives. So uh, they're 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 gonna they're, they're gonna dial the heat up. I think on in this game and because they have to. You know, they understand that they're going against the number one offense in the country. And for lack of better terms, we're going to have to match them in some respects. Yeah, no, and that's where I was going with this because if, for, for all Tennessee fans who haven't rage quit this episode yet, me talking about <laughs> the things that might give Tennessee some problems, um, there are also some things Tennessee that can do that obviously that give a lot of people problems. Uh, look at the numbers. Uh, it's the number one offense in the country. It's the fastest-paced offense in the country, uh, snapping the ball routinely with 20, 25 seconds left on the play clock. You know, seven seconds after the ball is whistled dead for one player, they want it snapped for the next one. Uh, it, it is. There are a lot of people who run like uh, who run that no huddle offense, but there's a hell of a lot of difference between a no huddle offense and a tempo offense. Really, only Tennessee and Ole Miss and, and a couple other schools around the country only do true tempo. Um, and, and, and my question there is. Normally, I would think LSU would be in a pretty good place to handle that if it's a normal year when they've had several years' worth of Swamp Beasts on the roster and they roll guys in and out of there and they're good. Um, But I'm wondering with the depth situation this year what that's like and how much of a concern that is because Florida went for it six times on fourth down against Tennessee, not just because it felt good about the play calls, but because it knew it could not punt the ball and it could not take field goals and outscore Tennessee. It had to keep the offense on the field. It had to get seven points. So I'm wondering, LSU defensively, how is it equipped to deal with what Tennessee's going to throw out there, with with or without Cedric Tillman? Sure. I mean, LSU has a couple really good pass rushers themselves. They got B.J. Ogilary, uh, who's a potential first-round pick next year. He's going to be a problem off the edge. Uh, he had two sacks, and really his sack last weekend really kind of got LSU back into that game because it was a strip sack that was picked up for a touchdown. So uh, he's going to be huge. I think this is going to be a game where the stars for LSU have to play their best, and we haven't yet seen that from Ali Gay, who is the other defensive end who's been a three-year starter here now and uh, has some really just great physical tri- tributes for himself. Um, LSU has Makai Wingo and Jaqueline Roy, uh, on the inside, who have been really solid in, in stopping the run this year, uh, I think LSU's you know top thirty in the country against the run this year. Uh, they've been pretty, and, and you know, just reading up on Tennessee a little bit, it seems to be a pretty balanced offense. Is that correct? You know, in terms of run and pass, it would it, like to be because Hendon Hooker 
can run the right. ball also. And Tennessee's depth at running back is a little bit hit or miss. It had a couple guys get hurt. But Dylan Sampson, the talented freshman from Baton Rouge, should be back this week too. So in theory, yes, it is. Um, with Heupel, it's usually been really balanced throughout his career, and that's what they would like to be. Right. So, I mean, I think the, the run game for LSU is going to have to be really stout. It's going to allow them to be more aggressive in the secondary because – that was the big issue last weekend where the communication issues in this secondary, uh, they were still welcoming back Joe Fusha, who was on a four game suspension of his own. He was another Arkansas transfer that they got. And so, uh, you know, you'd hope another week in the system, another week playing with the ones and the starters will help with the communication issues they had last weekend. Um, but this is a very talented secondary. I mean, I think, you know, LSU lost its entire cornerback room from last year. You don't have Derek Stingley. You don't have Dwight McLaughlin. You don't have Cordell Flott anymore. But they replaced them with some really uh, physical transfers, Jark Bernard Converse, Mackay uh, uh, Garner, uh, 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 Colby Richardson, who's from McNeese State, has really impressed them so far. So I know these are just names, but like these, no, are, no, no. these they, are guys. They, these are, these are, yeah. they're, they're, they've, they've gotten better. Yeah, yeah. They, they've, they've improved throughout the year. These are guys that – uh, I think feel very confident that they can keep up with these uh, Tennessee receivers. And so it's going to be really about discipline. It's going to be about tackling. It's going to be about when you get your pressure on hooker, make sure that you can uh, hinder him to some degree, try to get him down on the ground. You can't allow him to be elusive and continue plays because that was the the big issue else you ran into last week when they were just chasing around these receivers for five seconds because they allowed – you know, uh, Robbie Ashford to, to run around on him a little bit. So uh, that's going to be a huge, huge deal for this secondary. And we'll see whether or not Tillman plays. I still think they would like to to get him another week if possible and then maybe try to play him against Alabama. But, you know, if he plays, that certainly throws a different dimension into it because that's one of the best receivers in the country. But but Tennessee's also got, you know, it's got Jalen Hyde, it's got Brew McCoy. And, and when it has uh, Ramel Keaton, uh, Walker Merrill, uh, Squirrel White, it's got a bunch of dudes. But, um, you know, w- when you've got, when you've got guys like you got Tillman on one flank and you got uh, McCoy on the other, those are two like linebacker sized guys, like six three, six four, two twenty, and they can run and they're big. Um, there, there, there is no fifty fifty ball with either one of them. They tend to get those balls, and, and so that does change things a little bit. But uh, still, I, I, I'm I'm wondering about the communication aspect there because. There were communication issues last week, and the reason I'm asking that is because Tennessee's offense, it's not like it's overly complex, um, but it goes so fast that it's really, really hard. Even Saban defenses do not always get lined up before the snap to get ready to play right. these guys. So what has LSU done this week to try? I mean, I've seen some teams that roll in two different uh, – they have the scout team – offense put into twos and so they run yeah. one play and then run the other and have the defense run between the field i've seen people do some wacky things to try to get ready for for tennessee what's lsu done that you know of yeah so coach kelly told us at the beginning of this week they're not going to have time to substitute in and out i mean that's just not the way they operate as a defense in terms of facing a high you know up-tempo offense like tennessee's going to have they're going to run with their guys and they're going to keep them out there and i think uh you know, one of the things that we've learned really in the first month of the season is just how impressed Coach Kelly has been with the the physicalness of this team and the conditioning of this team uh, to be able to handle an opponent like Tennessee. They're very, very confident in that. And that's probably been one of my biggest takeaways from Coach Kelly and all the times we've been able to talk to him because when you have an offense like this and when you're facing an offense like this, you just don't have the time to be able to tink, you know, tinker with stuff in the middle of drives and sub guys in and out and move guys around the field. I mean, there's just no time for that. So uh, you've got to be very disciplined. You've got to be very, uh, you know, uh, just, just in peak physical condition to be able to handle that kind of an offense. And uh, I think really it's kind of a non-answer, but just, being a physical team and being a, a well-conditioned team is really, I think, the best recipe for keeping up with a deep an offense like this. No, it is, and, and the reason I, that's a really good point is because this Tennessee offense is a lot like that Baylor offense, and and I would not call myself a, a, a an X's and O's football genius by any stretch of the imagination, but I've in in talking with people like who, who do know this stuff, like the Kirk Herbstreets of the world, and people like that, they've said that when you look at the offenses like Tennessee and Baylor, the way they run it with that space and pace and stuff. The, really the only way to really contain it is to beat the hell out of it up front. If you beat the hell out of that offensive line, you have a chance to go out there 
and blow up plays before they start. Don't let them get downhill on you. Don't don't let them get you know running right at you. That that, that it really starts up front. Tennessee's got a, a pretty darn good offensive line. Um, both guards are fabulous players. The center's a good player. Right tackle's a, a pro. Um, you know, left tackle that we'll see that they, they're okay there. But um, I'm wondering up front with that what that matchup will be like because I know LSU's always got some dudes up front. It does right now. Um, but but that's really where everything starts because you you got to get lined up on the back end, communicating everything. But if you don't beat them up front and yeah. you let Hendon Hooker dictate things, it's going to be a tough day. Yeah, they've got some aggressive pieces up front. And a guy that I just kind of mentioned a couple minutes ago, Jaqueline Roy, uh, is coming off his best game really as an LSU Tiger. I mean, he was – very consistent in the middle of that defensive line, uh, you know, stuffing running lanes, getting into the backfield. Uh, he looked like the number one player in Louisiana that was coming out of high school a couple of years ago. So I think they're very, you know, high on him. Harold Perkins, the true freshman linebacker, uh, they've been using some very creative ways uh, to get him involved with the pass rush. They've been bringing him off the edge. They've been bringing him through the middle. Uh, if I'm Tennessee, I'm, I'm, looking at number 40 on pretty much every play because they have been using some really uh, specific designs in order to get him free and get him in the backfield where he can really make some plays as an explosive athlete. So, um, you know, it, it, that you're absolutely right. This is going to be a huge test for this defensive line. Ojalary is going to have to play at his best. Ali Gay is going to have to be at his best. And you've really got to hope these guys are in peak physical condition to be able to handle an every snap kind of rotation for for, for this offense. Last couple of things before we get out of here, because you've been really, really gracious with your time tonight. And it's gone a few minutes longer than I thought, but it, the conversation has been so good. I just kind of wanted to keep it going selfishly. But when, <laughs> sure. when, when you look at when you look at playing those 11 a.m. games, right? I mean, noon on the East Coast is 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 its own kind of challenge. 11 a.m. in the in SEC Westland is a whole different kind of suck. It just is. Um, yeah. And I know that the, the lifestyle in, in Louisiana, is at least the southern part of the state, it's late nights, a little bit later in the mornings, you know, they get going a little bit as the day goes on. And Tiger Stadium can be a different place uh, at 11 a.m. than it is at like a 6 or 7 p.m. kickoff. And, and I'm you know, because you don't get the whole death. It's Saturday night in Death Valley. You know, you don't yeah, get all yeah, that. Yeah. It's Saturday morning in Death Valley. just doesn't <laughs> sound as badass. It just doesn't. But, yeah. well, you know, but, but LSU's record in some of these games, and maybe it's the opponent, I, I don't know, but, but the record for LSU in these early games is actually pretty solid. So my, my question here is how much of a difference – will that make and what do you expect that crowd to be like because Tennessee is a team that practices in the morning those guys don't yeah. come in for meetings at like 7 seven thirty. they're taped spatted gone through meetings go to the practice field 9 a.m they're out they're done by 11 every day like they're up and at them and they go so this is like right in their wheelhouse um you know and, and maybe not for their fans but for them it is uh and LSU uh, what's the deal there yeah so I know from a fan's perspective um I made the joke earlier this week that your coffees are going to have to be Irish in the morning, but uh, they, they're they're going to wake up and they're going to be out there for this game. I, I have no doubt about that. Uh, from a football perspective, what they've really liked to do LSU on game days is work out in the mornings. That's something that Coach Ooh. Kelly's told talked to us about. Uh, every every game every game day they've taken their team to the field uh, and they've done a workout. They've run through their game plan. They've run through. Uh, you know, just a light workout. They've lifted some weights, done some running just to kind of get the juices flowing a little bit. Uh, and they're not going to be able to do that this weekend. So I am going to be curious to see how uh, LSU comes out of this, you know, in terms of just looking, are they going to look sluggish? Or are they going to look like a team that's that's ready to play? I mean, it's 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 going to be a question for me in, in some regards. And so uh, I do think that there's going to be some of that you're going to have to see early on in the game. Um but, you know, I, I do think that this at the end of the day, this is, this is a pretty – they've kind of gotten the handle on what it is that Coach Kelly and the staff are asking of them in terms of being prepared and uh, having their, their, their minds right. They're, they're, they've got a nice, uh, you know, mental health specialist that really helps them with their mental game, you know, throughout the week as well. So uh, they, they, I think they're going to be on their keys, but you really just don't know until you, you get out there and start playing. And I think with the crowd, this is just a guess as someone who uh, I've probably I've covered a number of games at LSU, but not nearly as many as the people who actually cover LSU all the time. But but I think if if the LSU, if the team hangs in there early, I think the crowd can get into it. And then by the second half, you know, you've been sitting there, you're 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 up, you're at them, you're ready to go. And so I think the, the start 
could be really, really critical for, for this game. Um, but just I, to kind of, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. No, just to no, kind of build on that a little bit. I mean, you look at the last two years, LSU hasn't had a top 25 matchup in really since 2019, since they won the national championship in death Valley, because they've gotten off to such horrendous starts the previous two years. So now the fact that you have a, a midseason game that's worth something that's against a top 10 team in the country. Um, and when you're on the rise, so to speak, as an L- as a program, uh, I absolutely think the LSU fans are going to be up and at them for this one. And, and lastly, unless you have anything else, which feel free to do that. I, I, mm-hmm. can, I can talk all freaking day here. I talk about how many things I still got to do before I leave for, 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 <laughs> for Louisiana, but I could, you start talking ball. Yeah. You have a good time with it, but in terms of, of your thoughts on this game, um, I, I know that our predictions come out on Friday morning, and as we're recording, yeah, our, as we're recording this late Thursday night, I, I think I'm still pretty sure I'm going to pick Tennessee to win a close game, but I, 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 I don't know that for sure. I'm pretty sure I'm going to do that, but I'll probably have another another hour or so to think about it. But in terms of what what your thoughts are for this game, I know earlier you said you thought it might be a, a tough matchup for LSU. What are you, what are your thoughts on the game? So my final predictions were, was 35, 30 Tennessee. I, I think it's going to be a pretty high scoring game. Um, I think it's, it could potentially come down to who wins the turnover battle. I think it could come down to who controls the line of scrimmage on, on offense. Um, Cause I think just, you know, it's going to really be, can LSU's offense be able to keep up with Tennessee's offense? I think at the end of the day, um, we, we've talked about it a lot already, but um, there's there's only so much you can do to stop an offense like Tennessee. And so I do think they're going to get their shots. They're going to get their cracks. They're going to put up their 35 points. And it's just a matter of can LSU do the same thing to Tennessee's defense uh, that I'm going to be watching for. Um, and I just don't know that I have an answer for that. I mean, I thought that they were trending in the right direction two weeks ago. Uh, but that was, you know, coming off a game where they played New Mexico and everybody looks good against New Mexico. Yeah. So sorry, um, yeah. the, the last week was a bit of a, a step in the back, you know, step back in the direction. So I think it's just going to be, uh, you know, how how quickly can they make these corrections in the passing game? Can they have some consistency in moving the ball? Can they get some long drawn out drives to keep Tennessee on the sidelines? Um, those are just some, kind of some of the areas that I'm looking at for this game. Yeah, everybody does look good against New Mexico. Like, uh, lo, lo siento, Lobos, pero uh, tu es um, yeah. muy, muy malo, muy, muy malo. Uh, but but in, in terms of, of, like, can they keep up with them? I, I think probably, so I think it'll probably be a close game. But Tennessee's coming off the bye week, which I never really know. Every team's different, how they're going to handle that because mm-hmm. – you know, you normally you'd like to have your bye week a little bit later in the year, but Tennessee maybe maybe gave Tillman a week to, to, to get ready. Maybe you know gave Jabari Small and, and Dylan Sampson and other guys a week to kind of get get healthier, get some things sorted out defensively. Maybe I, I don't know, but uh, it's gonna it's gonna be a fun game. I don't think it's gonna be a boring game. Of course, that's probably the kiss of death I just gave it, but I, I think yeah, probably <laughs> the Tennessee and LSU historically a lot of times the games are much more fun than they're not fun. So. I think it's going to be a good one. And, Glenn, before we get out of here, let everybody know how they can get a hold of your stuff, both uh, just on the site and your your social stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys, I mean, you can follow me over at GlennWest21 on Twitter. Uh, we're over at Go247. Uh, we're, we're, I mean, very much hardworking. I, I, I like, like the Tennessee guys, you know, like Wes. We were very uh, dedicated to putting out some really great LSU content. So uh, if you guys want to go – you know, put some some nasty stuff on our tw- on our boards. We we don't mind. We'll do. We'll take whatever kind of trash talk back and forth, and we'll take it in good fun. Um, but you know, we we do a we 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 like to think we do a pretty good job over there. And uh, like I said, I'm still pretty new on the job, about five months on the job. But I'm thinking uh, uh, this is going to be a really great long term play for me, and um, just really excited to get to branch out and know a lot of these guys within the 24 seven network. It's been a lot of fun so far. We're excited to have you too. And I'm, I'm happy to be here too is until they, every day they don't fire me is a good day. So I'm, I'm still <laughs> happy to uh, still happy to be doing this, but Glenn, man, thank you so much for your time. And uh, I suppose knock on wood, I, I will see you here uh, very soon, but uh, hopefully uh, some, some Tennessee fans can, can get at you on uh, social media too, and can get you, get you there. So uh, thanks for the time, man. Really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. We'll see you by the water cooler on Saturday. There's that button. And now I can say... 
Thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Guys, thank you. Thank you for listening. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. You can also go uh, to twitter.com slash govals247 and facebook.com slash govals247 to get all of the stuff there or most of the stuff there. We got stuff on there that we update throughout the day, all day, every day, tons of stuff on there, all good stuff. But if you want that best, most delicious, that sparkling, delicious, crystal clear East Tennessee Smoky Mountain Spring Water right from the tap. Go directly to GoBalls247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball coverage. We cover Tennessee baseball better than anybody out there. We got that for you. We got Lady Vols coverage with award-winning Maria Cornelius, who covers all things Lady Vols for us. You also get administration news. Basically, anytime anything happens over there at the University of Tennessee, we bring it to you at GoVols247.com. We also have two forums that run around the clock, the Checkerboard and the Summit, where you can go and discuss uh, anything you want that is not political or religious in nature, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we will be there to discuss it with you. Just about one of us is up just about all the time, at least, so you can go in there and do that. And you can get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, and that's after a free trial, and that's always. A lot of times we have better deals than that, but at least we have the seven-day free trial, and then you can start paying us. And when you start paying us, again, which is less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, if you do that, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, which is the streaming arm of CBS, Viacom, Paramount, all of it. Get all of it right there. And it's, I mean, you got stuff, brand new movies, exclusive movies, exclusive shows. You get stuff from the vaults of uh, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, all of it. And obviously everything CBS has ever done commercial free. That's a $100 plus annual value that we'll put in your pocket for nothing. For nothing. So we're giving you several hundred dollars worth of stuff for less than 100 bucks a year. Guys, that is an unbelievable deal. So please, this is a great time. Go take advantage of of that now uh, if you haven't heard from us uh, from a couple days there's been a problem we should be back here uh in, in a couple days or so you'll hear from us very very shortly until then guys be good to each other be decent to each other please there's not nearly enough of that in our world anymore god we are so mean to each other have some basic human empathy allow people their dignity try to be kind be good to each other until then be good guys see you Where's Wes at? I, I, he already put my comments out there, so <laughs> he, he had direct quotes. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.